ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. Watch out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Bayheim! Wow, is that silence in a little bit? Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Don't up. Fit. Pop pass up in the middle. Parker's got, got it. Room to run. 15-10. Hit, hit in. Gregory touchdown. The Bills make me wanna shout. Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. In go to the end zone. Stephon Diggs makes the catch. Touchdown, Buffalo. Swing in the mix. It is over. The Boston Red Sox. Baseball's best all season long. They have won it all. This is On the Block. Yeah, I was driving home yesterday, so I heard some of your show. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Brent. Thank you. Thanks, Brent. Two, one. Here's X-Men. ESPN Radio 97.7 ESPN Radio Hurt 96.5 FM Hurt wherever you are whatever you are doing on the ESPN app great way to keep in touch if you're out of town if you're walking the dog you're up at camp you're at the beach come on man summertime summer summer summertime you're out. You're doing things. You're getting tan. So take us with you when you do that. The radio is a great way to do that. The ESPN app is a great way to do that. But uh, there's a better way, folks. There's always an upgrade. Always ask for the upgrade. QSportsTalk.com is that upgrade for you where you can watch the show. And if you're watching on QSportsTalk.com, pardon the radio folks for a minute here while I uh, I model for QSportsTalk.com. See, what we have here today is the official training camp outfit, right? So when you go to training camp, you always see the guys they've got. I've got my Buffalo Bills golf shirt on. I got the khaki shorts. I've got new sneakers. Just got some new sneakers. Shout out Fleet Feet. They've always got the new sneakers. The one thing that's missing here, I just put them away on the other side of the room, is uh, the sunglasses, right? So I've got my official Training camp outfit, ready to go. I'm ready to shag footballs. I'm ready to run from drill to drill with the towel, with the water bottle. What You need me? I'm ready. I'm ready. Blow the whistle. Because training camps are underway. Training camp tweets are back in my life. Josh Allen to Dawson Knox for five yards. It's a beautiful thing, friends. So uh, however you're taking on the show today, we appreciate it. You can watch the official training camp outfit of On the Block. You can chat throughout the show, and you get the show within the show on QSportsTalk.com, meaning when we go to radio breaks, the QSportsTalk.com audience does not. That's right. We keep the camera on. We keep the microphone on for you and keep the conversation going exclusive QSportsTalk.com content. How's your Tuesday going? Ready to rock and roll? Do this thing 20 years and one day. Here today, and I have to take a moment. I was overwhelmed. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I got so many nice messages from people, people I haven't heard from in years, saw it on social media. Shout out to our friends at Barrett Sports Media that wrote a nice piece 
about our 20-year anniversary on the block. If you didn't listen yesterday, it was kind of the start of our 20th anniversary. We started in July of 2002, and uh, 20 years rocking, and I can't thank you enough. So many nice messages on so many different formats. I've been having a hard time keeping up with them, but uh, very humbling and uh, really, really appreciate the support and some stories some people were telling. And it's it's nice when you go on Facebook and people are, are talking to you about something other than like a death in the family or your birthday. It's an anniversary, so it kind of fits that category. But uh, it was nice to catch up with a lot of people and hear from a lot of people. But uh, most especially, most important to me, you, uh, the great listeners of the show, and viewers of the show at QSportsTalk.com. So thank you for that. I really, really appreciate it. Oh, we got us a loaded show today, friends. So let's jump in the pool. John Jastrzemski, we call him JJ, is going to join us right here this hour, 425 or so, because we got the Subway Series. We got the Yankees. We got the Mets. This is the best the Yankees and Mets have played. Now, obviously, they didn't play for a long time because interleague play wasn't a thing until... What was the first year of interleague play? Sometime in the 2000s, right? It's it, it all melts in my head together now. But for the Mets and Yankees to get together at this point, the best they've been basically since the Mets entered Major League Baseball in 1962. Now, they played in a World Series, and certainly they've crossed paths when they've both been good, but not this good. Where are we at with Aaron Judge? Are the Yankees beyond the point of no return with Aaron Judge? I would say so, but I want to get J.J.'s opinion on Kind of have to give him that contract now, don't you? Although he was pretty vague about that at the All-Star game and all things New York sports, Jets and Giants opening camp with our guy, J.J., John Jastrzemski, from the Ringer Podcast, New York, New York, and SNY. Looking forward to that right here this hour. The three things that really raised my eyebrows from Mike Waters' terrific piece in which members of Bayheim's Army scouted the current members, the current incoming class of Syracuse basketball, one of the most mysterious I can ever remember because of the transition, a lot of young players. Very intriguing stuff there. Go on the blind side as usual. Uh, Not a surprise where Syracuse football was picked in the official ACC predictions that came out today. Uh, My new favorite expression, I got to give him a shout out here, uh, give me a moment uh, to do that. I don't know if he's listening. I don't know if he's just in Twitter land or not. But my new favorite expression is the math ain't mathin'. Which, it's the little things that please me in life, folks. The math ain't mathin'. A uh, shout out to Tom Karens who tweeted that at me. Because when I said, that you know, Syracuse, here's the results of the media poll and where Syracuse is at. No surprise that they were picked to finish last in the Atlantic Division, R.I.P., after this season, he said, the math ain't mathin'. And I'll tell you where the math ain't mathin', but where the math is mathin'. In that prediction, uh, we are going to get into the latest in college football, the big difference between, I even said this on the show yesterday, big difference from when a big boy commissioner hits the podium, a guy like Kevin Warren from the Big Ten, versus when Jim Phillips hits the podium, the commissioner of the ACC. But we start with Tucker for Heisman. To its credit, Syracuse University has an official hub for Sean Tucker for Heisman hype. They have a website you can go to, cues.com slash pleased, and the pleased has a hashtag in there using the three and the four. I think that's very creative. 
I think it's leaning into the Sean Tucker tweets, leaning into the social media audience. This was a no-brainer to put this out there to, look, you got to hype these things up. Now, Syracuse can be bitten by these things. There was no more hyped preseason than 2019. And why wouldn't you do that? You got to milk that for all it's worth. You go 10-3 and three in 2018 and bringing back a team that people felt could be good, had Tommy DeVito at quarterback. We know how that turned out, but at the time, felt like, here we go, passing the torch, one of the most highly rated quarterbacks Syracuse had had in years. Game day was, that was going to happen. College game day was going to happen. Syracuse Clemson, Syracuse New York, here, first time for college game day. They've still never been to Syracuse. That was happening until Syracuse got clobbered by Maryland in week two of that season, which blew that plan up. But the hype of game day, remember they did that excellent hard knocks type video series. They changed the uniforms that summer. They had record ticket sales. They did everything right. But the one thing you don't know is how it's going to go on the field. Sean Tucker, now Dino Babers was saying at ACC Media Day, that he feels, I'll try and pull up the clip here while we're yakking about it, but he feels that Tucker is better than he was last year, and I know this is that season. Everybody is in the best shape of their life, and everybody's going to have a great season, and everybody's going to go undefeated. You know, I love having training camp tweets back in my life, but I don't like having training camp tweets back in my life because they're all the same. You know, everybody is going to win the Super Bowl. Everybody's going to win the college football national championship. Everybody's better. Everybody's going to win the Heisman. I just kind of what you have to deal with this time of year. But who doubts that? Who doubts that Sean Tucker, as Dino Baber says right here, is a better player now than he was at this time last year and even at the end of last year? Sean is relentless. He works out all the time. When the rest of the team went home over Christmas, I'm going into the office because I'm not going anywhere, and I see him working out by himself. The track team's gone. The football team's gone. And here he is still on campus working out. I'm not making this stuff up. This is stuff that just happened, you know, in, in 2021. Now, all that being said, I stood behind him in spring and, and watched every one of his runs live. And I'll, without hesitation, tell everybody in the room that I believe he's better. And I'm saying that being modest. I believe that. I believe that. I'm with that. I feel that. That's not just a coach trying to give everybody something to chew on at media day. That I 100% believe in. The Heisman campaign, the website, the hashtag, the video, absolute no-brainer. Now, I'll say this. If you're truly going all in on a Heisman campaign, why wasn't Sean Tucker at ACC Media Day? You got 160 members of the media from all over the country there. If you're really going to do this, he goes to media day. You put aside whatever policies you have about veterans going and all that. He's your guy. Now, at least they brought the quarterback this year. And I get bringing like a veteran player like a Matthew Bergeron, give some seniors some love. Mikel Jones was there. Totally get it. Sean Tucker should have been there. Like, that is a misfire. And I know Sean Tucker can be a little media shy at times. He prefers social media. And if he didn't want to go, you're not going to drag him there. 
But if we're going to do Heisman campaigns and we're going to build this thing up, you got to go all in on it. So that's, look, that's just that's just a little critique. But this is not to praise Syracuse for doing the obvious here and doing a Heisman campaign and going all in on this, knowing, of course, you can't control the most important thing, what he does on the field. Folks, this is a legit hype campaign. Name me one, even the most cynical Syracuse sports fan did not roll their eyes when they saw that. This is not Syracuse jumping into a pool they don't belong in. They have a Heisman Trophy candidate player. Now, we all know that Sean Tucker is not going to win the Heisman Trophy. That's no offense to Sean Tucker. He can run for 3,000 yards. He will not win the Heisman. I am a Heisman voter, and you don't need to be one to understand the process, but having seen behind the curtain a little bit here, there are 928 Heisman voters. There are 870 sports journalists. There are 57 living winners of the Heisman who are not required to vote, by the way. Just kind of like a perk. And I believe there's one fan vote. Of those 928 voters, maybe 900 of them let me reverse that. Of the 928 voters, maybe 28 voters pay attention and watch college football every week and just don't parachute in at the end of the year and look at the three most hyped candidates and be like, okay, him. It's a flawed process. And I say that as a Heisman voter. Okay? It's no offense to Sean Tucker. We all know how the Heisman works. The quarterback from Alabama is going to win. Or the quarterback from... LSU, or the quarterback from USC, the quarterback from Ohio State, is going to win. Now, Devontae Smith won, not this past year, but the year before that, because he was just such an exceptional talent. Remember, he got a late push at the end of the season because of the exceptional talent that he was. But look at the list. Alabama, Alabama, LSU. Now, Lamar Jackson won it from Louisville because he was just an exceptional talent. Jameis Winston won it in 2013. Florida State, I know, is not the mighty Florida State they used to be, but that's a program that's high on the radar when they have an exceptional talented quarterback. Three running backs have won the Heisman since 2000. Two of them went to Alabama. Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, the other was Reggie Bush, and they took his Heisman. So this is no offense to Sean Tucker. He's not going to win the Heisman. It doesn't matter because Sirius has a player for the first time in a long time, that they put out a Heisman campaign, you're like, yep. No one, not one person can doubt that, can poke holes in it, can criticize Syracuse for doing that. If anything, it's the opposite. It's affirmation. Yep, I'm in on that. The talent level on this team, folks, at certain positions is very good. You're seeing names, not just Tucker, by the way, who's up for every conceivable award in the preseason you can have, at other positions, Mikel Jones being one of them, Garrett Williams being another. There's some key missing ingredients here where the math ain't mathin', to take that expression, which I just love. And we'll go over later as to why Syracuse is still showing up in preseason predictions as a team where they are. But, folks, the fact that Sean Tucker is in these conversations, is being nominated for these awards, no bigger than this, 
He's not going to win the Heisman, but it doesn't matter. They have a Heisman-level player for the first time in a long time. The last Syracuse player that got Heisman votes, you know who it is? Want to take a guess? Dwight Freeney, 2001. Now, he finished ninth. He should have been in the room in New York. The mighty Eric Crouch from Nebraska won the Heisman. Freeney, I'm not saying should have won it, but he should have been in that damn room because he had an exceptional, not only career, he had 17 and a half sacks that year. That was a new NCAA record. I One of the most dominant defensive performances I've ever seen in my life from anyone, let alone a Syracuse player, and they didn't even put him in the room. Donovan McNabb, 1998, finished fifth in Heisman voting. Donovan McNabb is the last legit preseason hyped Heisman candidate from Syracuse where you're like, of course. Could you have put Eric Dungy in that conversation four or five years ago? Maybe. Could you have put Walter Reyes in that conversation? I'm probably missing one or two here, depending on how far back you go. I went and looked this up. I'm going to be writing a column about this tomorrow. And I remember this. I remember the cover of the Syracuse Post Standard. I think it was actually the Syracuse Herald Journal at the time. Football preview. And it was a comic book. And you know who was hyped for potential Heisman buzz that year? Want to take a guess? Quadri Ismail. Now, he didn't end up getting one single vote and was certainly a great player, but not on that level. So the last legit, no doubt about it, not one single person can poke holes in it. Heisman potential talent at Syracuse was Donovan McNabb. Freeney wasn't hyped preseason. He earned it on the field that year, although he had a terrific 2000 season. Remember, he chased down Michael Vick in 2000 for four and a half sacks, but he wasn't on that list. Tucker is on that list. If you don't have Sean Tucker on your list of the top five running backs, in college football, then what are we doing here? You're just a joke. Now, where he fits in the Heisman conversation, that's interesting because Bryce Young won it last year. He's back. There's always four or five names nobody has in the preseason and show up in the middle of the year. Joe Burrow wasn't hyped up prior to that year, and by midseason that year, we're like, what are we doing here? This guy's going to win the Heisman. The Heisman is flawed, okay? My, and I say this as a Heisman voter, the popularity contest it is, the fact that defensive players rarely get recognized for the award, let alone in the room, and that's gotten better in recent years. I'll give credit where it's due, but, I mean, I've always said there should be two Heismans. I know that would take away, it would kind of water down the thing, but offensive player, defensive player. The Heisman is supposedly the best college football player in the United States. No, it's the best offensive player college football player in the United States, which often translates to the best quarterback in the United States. That's just the way it is. It's a popularity contest. I'm not going to change that, no matter how hard I fight. Sean Tucker will not win the Heisman. It's still a good thing for Syracuse, though, that they have a player that they can hype, that can put out a campaign, they can market, is on that list because he is a Heisman-level talent. He's that kind of player that they went out, recruited, and has now blossomed blossomed, pardon me, into the star that he is. And he is a star. 
He is on the pantheon of the all-time greats, no matter what he does this year. And I agree with Dino Babers. I think he's going to have an exceptional season that's going to top last year's record-setting year. Thanks, Brent. You're welcome, Coach. Even with, you know, look, they've got to balance out the offense, and they got to throw the ball more, and we'll, we'll get more into that as we go through the summer here in training camp. But I saw that. You saw that. Anybody who saw that. A Heisman campaign for a Syracuse football player. And your reaction and my reaction and anyone's reaction to that was, yep. No matter what happens on the field this year, we know how tough the schedule is. What a big sign of progress that is for Syracuse football. It's been easy to pick on Syracuse football lately with conference realignment. Where do they fit there? We're going to go over the predictions later. Syracuse once again picked to finish dead last. If anything, the no one believes in us theory on Syracuse is like a balloon on a faucet, and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. I saw Matthew Bergeron in my mentions noticing some of those tweets. So certainly the players are aware of it too. But Sean Tucker is the guy. He's the lead dog in so many ways. And while he won't win the Heisman, Syracuse has a legit preseason Heisman candidate. And I don't care what your level of fandom is. I don't care from the most positive fan to the most cynical. That is great news for Syracuse football. And on that note, we will break. I mentioned it. The official ACC predictions came out today. And if you want to get bold, I've said this all summer long. If you want to be somebody who gets away from the pack, then don't pick Syracuse to finish last. Well, of course, the pack did that. So we'll see where the math ain't mathin', to use my new favorite expression, and where it is on that prediction later in the show. What we're going to do when we come back is we are going to talk to the one and only John Jastrzemski because we got Subway Series baseball tonight between the Mets and the Yankees. First, uh, let's talk to our friend Bill from Lee Baldwin & Company. Tell us how the markets did on this Tuesday. Bill, how you doing, bud? Not too bad. Uh, the markets uh, were down a little. We fell uh, over 200 points in the Dow. But to be honest, uh, July's been a great month. Uh, it's uh, on track for the best month of the year. That's not saying much, but uh, <laughs> uh, we we are finishing up July here in earnings season. Uh, on the positive side, we have General Electric, a uh, old blue chip uh, company, we jumped five uh, percent on uh, pretty good uh, earnings based on aerospace department. And on the downside, we have Walmart um, down seven percent. Uh, they're blaming uh, inflation with oil and food uh, causing a lot of their consumers to uh, struggle to spend on anything but the essentials. And uh, that's it today. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. Sir Lee Baldwin and company there for you to make sure you have all the diamonds and none of the dogs on your portfolio. And given the times we're in, uh, it's great to have a solid key advice like that. LeeBaldwin.com or stop in at Casri Utica for all the great advice on your portfolio. We'll break. We'll come back. JJ joins us next. New York, New York baseball talk. Stay right there. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. we got to wait a minute here. we got to give Jordan time to hobble out of the studio. I forgot to factor that in before we, we cracked the microphone here. 
Welcome back. Great to have you here. If you were watching during the Q Sports Talk break, our friend Jordan was in the studio. He's uh, he's got a busted ankle, hobbling around on on crutches. That's what you get for playing pickup basketball with people that claim they're going to walk on at Syracuse. To the phones we go. Speaking of Syracuse basketball, by the way, we will not be focusing on any walk-ons, but the three most intriguing things I found in Mike Waters' terrific piece about the incoming Syracuse basketball team based on the observations of Bayheim's Army. We will get to that, but first the phones await at 437-7644. Drew in Syracuse. What up, Drew? Hey, Brett. Thanks for taking my call. Hey, just a quick thing. Sure. I happened to, to hear a podcast about Garrett Schrader, and I went back and looked at the games before the Virginia Tech game and after the Virginia Tech game. And on that last pass where he completed it to Alford, he took a huge shot. Oh, big time. Big time. And he wasn't right after that. And I'm not saying that Syracuse put him out there or – but I'm wondering if – you know, when when somebody mentioned that to me, it, it made me take the time that he was coming along nicely up until that point. And then after that point, he became a, a little bit, let's say, gun-shy or I don't know. If no, Drew, it's a fair point. It's a point I'm wondering about. But I think before that injury, he did, like, he was at the point, Drew, and I wonder if you agree. Where just when I'm about, it's it's like the great Al Pacino line, just when I thought I was out, he pulls me back in. Just when I'm like, man, this guy can't throw the ball, he'll make a throw like that. Or he'll make a throw to Alford in the Liberty game. Or he'll make that throw where you're just like, okay, like he can do it. Now, can he do it consistently over four quarters? No. But he, more often than not, would make a throw in a tough spot that made you almost hit the reset button and gave that guy the benefit of the doubt. And I am wondering about that injury. So if he's healthy, which is always a big if, and Robert and I and Jason Beck can kind of streamline him, I mean, I would imagine he's going to have more games over 200 yards passing than he did last year. I will definitely give him the benefit of the doubt there. But the thing that makes me hesitate, Drew, is compare him to the other quarterbacks in this league. He's just not on that level. To be fair, he's just not on that level. I would agree, but the only thing I would say about that, he doesn't have to be on their level. He has Sean Tucker behind him. So if Dino's right and Dino's saying everything he saw about from behind Sean Tucker so far this spring that he's even better than last year, oh, my God. Now, <laughs> you know what I mean? Here's my counter to that counter. Everybody in the world's coming after Sean Tucker with everything they have. They have to utilize him in the passing game more and – they just have to be more creative on offense to open things up for Tucker because, look, you can do that and he'll still run you over, but let's just say defenses are going to be more in tune to that this year, right? So I feel like the move, counter move, the strategy there is going to be really important, but Tucker's just that good. And if he's as good as Dino's saying there, like you mentioned, Drew, then you know that Heisman hype is, is going to be real. Well, Brad, the only thing I would say that counter that is – by the fifth game last year, everybody in this conference knew what Sean Tucker was. Let, let's not kid ourselves. So every game after that, there was every defense was focusing on him every minute. They knew there was nothing left other than him in the tank. That's true. And he still, That's true. He, he still did what he did. Now, I, I got to look at the numbers. And Drew, great call. Appreciate that. That was good stuff. 
I, you know what? I could do it while we're yapping about it here. Let, let me go back while we're discussing it. I'm pulling up Tucker's numbers as we speak. Because I feel like, and I could be wrong about this, but my, in, my inclination is that the last few games of the season, so the last three games, now remember, the score matters. You're passing the ball more in situations in a few of these games to crawl out of a big hole, you know, depending on what the score is. So this is just kind of general observations. But last three games. So let's look at the last four games for context. Boston College has 26 carries for 207 yards, right? That capped a string where he rushed for over 100 yards in seven straight games. In that case, was over 200 yards. Last three games, Louisville, 19 carries, 95 yards. NC State, 13 carries, 105 yards. And Pitt, 13 carries, 29 yards. Now, again, a lot of factors in there. How much are you throwing the ball to kind of crawl out of a hole score-wise, durability, injuries down the stretch? There's a lot of factors that go into that. But Drew is absolutely right. I mean, in that seven-game streak where he had over 100 yards or more, Teams knew exactly what Syracuse was doing, if anything. Injuries pile up, the passing game struggling. They could at times put nine in the box if they wanted to and try and stop Tucker, and they were not successful. So what defensive wizardry have you come up with in the offseason that's going to change that? That's a fair point. Uh, Scooter, ladies and gentlemen. Now, this always says Scooter in Jamesville. I know you're yeah. not in Jamesville. I know you're in one of three places. Chittenango, Bridgeport, yeah. or Verona. So which one are not, we at today, my friend? Not today. Uh, taking a day off. I've been enjoying the, going to the parks for uh, a lot of music. And, uh, in fact, next Monday, you might want to come out with the family and walk the dog at the Chapman Park here out in Bridgeport, between Bridgeport and Lakeport, uh, they have a band, uh, there's a country band, TJ Sacco. Oh, wait, we got some tambourine action going here? I I played with him uh, a couple years ago, but maybe not that that night. Depends. It's it's only a two-hour gig, so it depends what his uh, selection is. But it's a great place. It's right on the uh, banks of Oneida Lake. You got a nice breeze, and you got one of the best sunsets. It's like I said, it's between Bridgeport hey, and can Lakeport. Can I can I pull so. up the boat to that place? You can, you can. I, you uh, might want to have to swim the shore, but that. you can. Okay, yeah. Because but uh, uh, that's that's now for- a thing, Scooter. I forgot to mention this yesterday. Yeah. One of my vacation adventures. Uh, I feel like uh, Bob Wiley. And what about Bob? Doctor Marvin, I sail. I'm a sailor. I now can drive a boat. I'm a boat driver. That's me. I now I can now drive a boat. <laughs> Well, there, there you go. Let's go. Uh, first, first I'm talking SU football, but gotta gotta bring up uh, up to speed. You know, Saratoga started, and opening day, uh, there's your former producer Tommy Gunn. They had a horse name after him, Tommy Gunn, and I boxed him with the favorite, and he Tommy Gunn came in second and with the favorite, so we collected for every two dollars bet about twenty one dollars, and uh, then we're, I was up to Saratoga actually Friday. Which the, the 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 three races that you would have been on between four and six, I would have given out. We we had two doubles and an exacta. So uh, Saratoga is okay. always a fun place. They get up there. All but right. we're fo- rolling. Fo- Let's go. Football, it's football itself. Now, 
I had to. I, I couldn't wait any longer because those heck, almost a couple places got Syracuse and five wins. So one of my places I do con, uh, do some consulting work out in Chicago. We got it at four and a half, right outside O'Hare. I think it's called Over. Riverside Casino. Over and. 113 to win 100. And so but the thing I was, I was calling about, actually, he says the 12th, supposedly toughest, according to somebody. toughest but schedule in the country, to, according to Phil Steele, who yeah, he, he well, would know. Yeah, well, I think Vegas knows better. And I'm Thank shocked you. that Louisville's over-under is only six. I mean, that's, that, that to me is a 50-50 game now. If you think Louisville's only going to win six games. Now, Connecticut's two and a half. Under. That's it. You're absolutely right because the plus side's on the over two and a half. You can make more money back than the over. They went two and ten last year. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And Boston College is only six. Purdue's mm-hmm. on, This is kind of the shocking part. Purdue's only seven. I need to go in more games. But Purdue's only seven, according to Vegas. I have to see uh, the schedule. Sure. Because that's yep. a tough league they're in. But sometimes you you get that year where you don't have Ohio State and Michigan on the schedule, or I'd have to look yeah. at Purdue. But with a no. quarterback like that, yeah. that's, that's an yeah. intriguing play. And Florida State's only seven, uh, according to them. I mean, uh, you know, I'm just saying that, you know, I mean, when I, yeah, but the, of course, the biggest one's Clemson at 10.5, but Clemson's normally 11.5, so... That's That's just putting faith in Clemson being Clemson, that defense being dominant. I mean, their quarterback stunk last year. They're, and thank you for the call, Scoot, as always, my friend. DJ Uwe Ungale cost that team games last year because he was nowhere near what he needed to be. Can he bounce back this year? I mean, he's obviously got the talent, but a lot of people didn't see that coming. Now, Clemson lost a lot of players from the year before. There were other reasons Clemson was not Clemson last year, but give me a big number. I might I might be inclined to take the under on that. And they'll still win the division. Now, I promised this, so I want to deliver before we break and do the blind side. And I lied, by the way. It's not three, it's four. The four most intriguing things from Mike Waters' piece where Bayheim's Army laid it out, where Bayheim's Army uh, scrimmages against the current Orange and kind of gives a scouting report on the team. So let's wake up the voice guy. Number four. This from uh, Tyler Ennis, quote, really good. He impressed me a lot. I think he's got a lot of tools being so young. I think he'll get a chance to play a lot, and I think he'll surprise a lot of people. That's Tyler Ennis on Judah Mintz. Now, Joe Girard, Symeer, Torrance are playing, but Girard's going to be off the ball more. The mix between Symeer and Judah Mintz next year I think is going to be What's the word for it? There's going to be some symmetry there. Symer will start. He'll be the veteran. He'll be in there when needed. But the change of pace, the offensive-mindedness, getting the experience, getting on the court, and Tyler Ennis saw it there. Number three. Quote, Andrew White. My main matchup was number five. Good shooter, tall kid, knockdown shooter, athletic, high IQ, had confidence. It was a great matchup. That is Andrew White on... Justin Taylor, a player that he can look in the mirror in a lot of ways. I think a lot of Justin Taylor, Buddy Beheim comparisons are apt, but Taylor, to me, of all the incoming players, just feels like the best plug-and-play, going to get minutes, going to score, going to contribute. I hate to just keep making this comparison, but it's hard not to. Will he get the numbers and the accolades and the NIL and everything that Buddy Beheim got? 
That remains to be seen. But that kid's playing, and he's going to score next year. Number two. C.J. Fair said this, quote, he's going to be good. He's got good confidence. He's got a good offensive game. He competes. He goes hard. I like his game. That's the guy I paid attention to the most. Who was C.J. Fair talking about in that case? That would be Benny Williams, who I think everybody looks at and says could make a huge jump. Most improved player on this team. And what I'm most intrigued by there is how C.J., and I would encourage you to read more of Mike's piece about this, describes him as a player that can score in the paint. If Syracuse is too legit, consistent paint scorers next year to add to Jesse Edwards, of course, with Benny. Game up. Number one. Bonus here. This was not a ranking, by the way. I was just going by numbers here because I thought this was interesting and one that you, you want to get a scouting report on all these players, but I was like, oh, yeah, that. And here's the quote. He's a huge guard, Tyler Ennis said. He doesn't look like a guard, but watching him play, he is one. Tyler Ennis, six six feet two inches, as Mike notes here when he played at Syracuse. Syracuse freshman Kadir Copeland, six feet six inches, but possesses the skills of a guard. And now to get an assessment from a guard about that guard, I think you can label Kadir Copeland the most intriguing incoming player on that team. Go read Mike's. It's excellent. We'll go on the blind side next.